fan boost. Jake. Dennis. Wait, that actually worked? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey, who turned out the lights? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, I conserved enough energy to not have to turn out my lights. I know, like, oh, oh, sorry, hang on, the landlord's just tweeted me, um, there's been a kilowatt reduction on the, uh, length of the podcast, um, no! unfortunately we've just lost another, uh, five minutes of usable lighting. Hey guys, uh, Trey Harrison back at it with episode 302 of Motorsport 101, and, uh, oh boy. <laughs> if, if, you if thought, you... uh... You thought my rant in episode 301 was strong. Yeah, 25 minutes worth, by the way. If you got through that sports car suffering, then I salute you personally. Um, I'm Joe Harrison. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And uh, we'll be talking Formula E in Valencia. And uh, uh, I, I know for the patron saint of Formula E, King, this is somehow an even more painful experience than Alex Palou winning in IndyCar. Yep. Oh man, oh man, the Knicks, as as of recording, things could have gone horribly bad mm-hmm. by the time it's come out, by the time this episode has come out, but the New York Knicks are only seven games away from being locked into a 500 season, but yet, I am deeply, deeply upset by the events that have occurred in Formula E over the past weekend. You know, you know it's bad when King is butting heads with YouTube influencers on the matter. It, it, it was a, uh, it was rough. Like, it takes a lot to get King out of Twitter hiding these days when it comes to tweeting about motorsport. And, uh, it, I, just want, I, I just want to tweet about the boats. I just want to tweet about the boats. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to watch the boats. I was at work. I'm mad. I, I know. Like, and I, I watched the boats. Like, I, I, like King actually like encouraged me to w- sit down and watch Sail GP, and it was an enjoyable experience. I can't believe I just said that live during the recording. <laughs> I was wrong. I hold my hands up. Sailing is all right. Um, it's all right with me. It was fun. Okay. Well done, King. You win this round. Um, <laughs> I hope the Knicks don't make the playoffs, bloody bastards. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, like, like I didn't even watch this live. I was at work when this race happened. And then I saw you tweet about how bad it was and how it was a total farce. And then I saw Hazel Southall talking about how much this was a farce and compared it to USA 05. And I was like, Okay, these are the two biggest defenders of Formula E I know. If they're coming out and saying this has had to be cataclysmically bad, and it was, oh my god! I don't it was. think I don't think we can do it justice. Um, we, but we'll, we will we'll certainly try. try in the next forty-five minutes or so. We won't go to the rest of the show because we've got RJ O'Connell here as well, who's uh, shall we say, tweeting through it. Um, for everybody that suggested that Formula E would never be legitimate until it goes to a proper, purpose-built, permanent road course. Well, buddy, I don't think that would have had much of an impact because it's more uh, uh, down to the safety car kilowatt reduction rules and how they're applied. But I still think that's hilarious. (laughs) 
Oh, damn. <laughs> ah! Motorsport! Been... It never ceases to crack me up sometimes. This is why I love this shit sometimes. Uh, RJ O'Connell is many things. Merciful is not one of them. Um... <laughs> And with me, still recovering from a sports car rant for the ages, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. You know, for this second episode, I just wanted to relax, uh, detox from the misery that is the current situation with the top class of uh, global sports car racing. And then I realized that we have to cover the top class of electric racing, which had a farce. That truly had to be seen to be believed. But it's not all bad, Cam, because Andre Lauder finished second in the second race, right? Oh boy, at least he got on the fucking points board after hitting <laughs> everything with four wheels the previous day. <laughs> oh, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised we didn't get fucking we didn't get the crew from Days of Thunder telling him to go hit the pace car. Hit the pace car. Hit the pace yeah. car. Why do yeah. you want me if, to do that? I, I know we'll, we'll get, get to hit it. every other goddamn thing. I, 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 I know we'll get to, be to perfect. it. But the only reason that all the shenanigans in the first race that happened, that happened at the end, was because Lauder took out a car. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 we've come full circle and we're only five minutes in. Um, Lotter a giveth and Lotter a taketh away. He took um, so much away! <laughs> I never said it was a fair fight. <laughs> him, oh god! Him sowing, Andre Lauder sowing the entire sport reaping. Yeah, it's it's. I never said it was a balanced fight, unfortunately. But here we are. Look. To put it into perspective, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes for you. We write a script for each episode we record now. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you for a fact, we put the key highlights for each race we cover from a review standpoint at the top. The first words I used to describe it was, quote, utter fucking carnage. Um, which And um, then the first key topic we end up talking about, I put in bold letters, feature-length segment. Um, because this is going to take some breaking down. Um, if you are a new Formula E fan, or if you're maybe you've only seen it in passing every once in a while, buckle in. We got some shit to discuss because uh, race one was arguably the biggest unmitigated disaster in the seven-year history of this series. Okay, housekeeping. Like- housekeeping. Now let's just do it now. Okay, get out the um- way so we can get into the show. Yeah, yeah, but first, uh, a word from the platforms. Indeed. Um, some, some general housekeeping before a king spontaneously combusts. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. If you want to listen to YouTube, hi, by the way, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff for when new content drops, you're already notified and engaged. Um, we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore uh, 101. If you'd like to follow my handles, they're on the screen right now. They're in YouTube description. Or if you're listening to us on audio, they're at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at C Buckley917. You can follow us all on there. We're on Instagram at uh, Instagram at motorsport101 forward slash pod. You can check us out there for little bonus segments, intros, and notifications again when new stuff goes live. You can see it right here. 
Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Everything. Um, that's on there. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all the audio editions of our shows. You can upgrade on that option to 10 bucks for the video versions as well. And you get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. We can hold back no longer. After this... Formula E, Valencia, the utter carnage seen around the world. In one statement, race one at Valencia was utter fucking carnage. (laughs) Five safety cars, 19 minutes behind them in a ridiculously chaotic race with Maxi Gunter and Sergio Sete Camera beached. Andre Lauder hitting just about anything he could find, dive-bombing the shit out of Sebastian Buemi, wiping him out, and spinning out Eduardo Martara. Nick DeVries won this race after it went one lap longer than the field predicted. This triggered the race to go as slowly as possible (laughs) after a kilowatt reduction... Multiple kilowatt reductions, in fact, (sighs) left these teams with next to no usable energy to finish the race. Through the carnage, Stoffel Van Dorn gained 10 places on the final lap for Mercedes 1-3, with only 9 cars classified at the finish. 9. 9. Technically, it was 13 when uh, the uh, race was over, but after due to four more disqualifications for overuse of uh, usable energy, the final count was 9. Um, with, with huge field spread. I mean, there was 10-plus second gaps between the cars. Yeah. I think Jeff's final lap was almost six minutes long. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to put it into perspective... We have to break all of this down, and uh, I mean, I I want to sum it up, or to start it off, with a quote from uh, reigning series champion Antonio Felix da Costa that he gave after the race one, and uh, it's an important quote in the context of the series and, and how it's perceived. He said, and I quote, Having been here from the beginning, for seven years of trying to convince people that we're a professional and serious series today... I think we had some unconvinced people watching us because of racing on a permanent track, and it's not the ending we should have. Rightly or wrongly, this series has had a knack over the years of being criticised for not racing on fully blown Grand Prix level tracks over the years. And this is this is not the first time they've raced at a permanent racetrack. There's been races, for example, in Mexico City, which use you know large elements of the Grand Prix circuit the Formula One has. Um, hmm. so it's not the first time they've ever raced at a permanent road course. However, obviously due to the times we live in, due to COVID, they've had to obviously adapt again and, you know, ham hop to Canada together. Um, we'll be talking a bit about that at the end of the show as well, because there's been more races that have been added, but they, they test here at Valencia normally hmm. and, yeah. you know, to try and get as complete a calendar as possible that isn't in a airport in Templehof that they've raced here at Valencia. And, I mean, there are a lot of elements that contributed towards this unmitigated disaster for the series and a farcical finish that we had. Um, And... Formula E has this reputation, rightly or wrongly deserved, that 
it's a gimmicky Mario Kart-esque series between how people perceive attack mode and fan boost and running on the tracks they do. And as far as impressions go, they, they said to all the doubters, the haters, the elitists... The Tiff Nadells proved of them the right. world. They proved them right. And <sighs> it's really rough to watch because we've had we've had two great events. They're the races we've had so far, and this Indeed. I fear undid a lot of good work by the in series the first, done over the last seven years. In the years. first proper year with world championship status, no less. Mm. Yes. And that around. matters. And I think DaCosta was right in that, at least going by my timeline at least, there was a lot of people who were watching this race who didn't normally watch because it's a recognisable Grand Prix circuit. Mostly known for two wheels, for those who don't know, Valencia is normally the MotoGP season finale um, at, at the end of the year in November, and that's unfortunately was also a big part of the problem. Um, if you want to break down all the elements as to how this went wrong, the track was one of them. Valencia is very smooth. It's very free-flowing. It's a very fast circuit um, in terms of you know, relative to the cars that they're doing and relative to what sort of tracks we normally have. There's, there's normally yeah. big braking zones to generate regen. Um, and, you know, save yeah, They actually power. redeveloped... Uh, they actually redid parts of the track to create... Mm the typical FE-style chicanes that we see because around the regular Valencia circuit, they wouldn't have enough regen to get to the end of a race on a battery charge. Right, right. So, you know, they Valencia is the complete opposite in these cars in, in, in a contextual sense to what they normally race on. They had to adapt the layout to even make it drivable over a 45 plus one race distance. That yep. did not help. The fact it rained did not help um, um, because it, it made cars more susceptible to going off-road. Um, and big, heavy car in gravel will not move. You have to get a safety car out to remove it from the track. Um, so any car that beached it, it was a guaranteed safety car, which, again, you can see the domino start to fall here where it's like, Okay, wet track, hard to regen, lack of grip. If a car beaches it, a safety car's coming out. That's a guarantee. If a safety car's coming out, there'll probably be a kilowatt reduction to obviously facilitate the lack of green flag running. We've seen this come up before um, in this. If you talked about this during Saudi Arabia and Jev and not taking his attack modes, for example. So this is not the first time we've mentioned kilowatt reduction on the oh, show in fact uh just one of the races this year we had a last minute reduction mm-hmm. with two two with one racing lap to go effectively uh due to some strategic driving and the driver didn't make the finish yep um yeah and uh so it's come up again obviously this time this was an extreme example because as we mentioned before there was five safety cars in this race um, yep. each of them coming with their own separate kilowatt reductions, the last one being particularly rough because it was a bigger safety car and then the kilowatt reduction came late and that seemed to catch out the entire fuel because 
And you can see this on Formulary's YouTube channel, um, where if you watch the highlights, you could see as Antonio Felix da Costa, who was leading the race with essentially two laps to go, or relevant to the clock, which is more important here, there was 20 seconds to go in the race as he's coming through the final chicane and the green flags come out. It's impossible for the Costa to back the wagon up at this point because obviously if you cross the yeah, start he's finish line have to before, stop the car. Yeah, like if he crosses the line before the clock hits zero, it adds another lap to the race. And the Costa cannot slow the pack down because he's on a straight line. If he does, he loses the lead and loses the win. He has to keep going. Um, it's impossible for him to slow the pack down at this point. So unfortunately, they have to go on. There's about 12 seconds to go in the race when he crosses the line. So all of a sudden, it turns a two-lap race into a three-lap race. And as Jack Nichols... With the, same, Chandler, uh, with the same energy reduction. Yeah, yeah, with the same energy reduction with Karun Chanhok and Jack Nichols commentating on, we all just realized what was about to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. For context, I, I, I was just watching this while I was kind of out and about. I was watching what happened unfold, and I was I was talking to my partner um, at the time. I was just like, I, I don't even know how to describe to him what's unfolding here, but everybody's running out of battery. Yeah, you know, it came in, that, that last energy reduction, and everyone went from being a little marginal, but reasonably safe, to effectively already out of battery, still with a lap to go. Right. Um, so, and that's what led to what we saw with Nick DeFreeze, who had saved enough battery, thinking it was going to be a last lap sprint finish, basically, so we could go all out on the final lap. He had enough usable energy to still have a, a, enough relative pace to the field to take off from the front on the final lap and win. As did Stoffel yep. Van Dorn, who had enough to, again, drive at a decent raceable speed, gain 10 positions. Let's not forget, he started from the back of the field in this race because his pole position was taken away due to a tyre infringement. Um, so from the back, Stoffel finished in third. And we all watched in horror as everybody. Like we had, we had a, a whole mix of cars, like either driving at two Crawling. miles an hour to try and get home. We had Oliver Rowland who thought, "Fuck it, we're gonna burn." I'm already all disqualified. I might as well have some fun. It's like I'm gonna burn all the usable energy and the emergency eight kilowatts that you're not supposed to use in the cars in the first place. Thinking, may maybe we can appeal the DQ later. Um, oh, not to mention as well, Stoffel Van Dorn also was mid attack mode when the race ended and gained a penalty in addition to an existing five second penalty, and it didn't affect him because the gaps were so big because of the non classifications that he got away with only using half of his final attack mode Love with it. no repercussions. It didn't matter. <laughs> It didn't matter. He was that much of a lock in third. It didn't matter. Um, I don't this, even this know was how... A, this was a farce. Yeah. And just, like, kind of break down technically what happened. Yes. Where the last energy reduction for the two-lap... Well, yeah, for the... Yeah, two-lap safety car at the end of the race ended up being... 5 kilowatts, which is effectively a little more than 10% of usable energy for the race, which mm -hmm. is a lot. Uh, yeah. 
but the way in the regulations how like the letter of the law is uh for every minute behind the safety car it is a one kilowatt power reduction some the way some people have framed it that it's a hard black and white rule like a lot of things in the FIA rule book it is there's a lot of leeway and there's a lot of discretion Yes, it is one minute behind the safety car equals one kilowatt, re- uh, one kilowatt reduction. But there's a lot of strings attached. One, uh, it has to be uh, the calculation in terms of time behind the safety car has to be measured in full minutes, no seconds, no, seconds. no pe- like no percentages, like no fractions. It is okay. so whether it rounds up or rounds down. One kilowatt is a lot of energy. Um, also, it is up to the race director's discretion about how much time is spent behind the safety car. It's not, it's not how much time is actually spent behind the safety car. It's whatever the time the race director deems. So I would somewhat roughly compare it to like stoppage time in, in football slash right. soccer. Right. Where, yeah, same idea. Where the, a lot of... Like, there's a lot of leeway in the race director's hands, and uh, obviously when when the time comes in terms of getting the reduction out, they can't use the real hard measurement because it needs to come fairly quickly once the safety car comes in. So there needs to be a little guessing about how much time is actually being spent behind the safety car. And after everything that happened... Uh, the FIA's official stance on what happened was, hey, we saw what happened out there. A lot of you got it wrong, but energy management is a part of Formula E, so this should be a lesson for the future. We, on our end, are going to continue doing everything the same, and it pretty much boiled down to, hey, losers, get good. <laughs> so wonder, they, were, they were just pl- they were playing Dark Souls on their dashboards. I get it now. Um, I wonder did did Matt Mosley or Bernie Ecclestone after the US GP in two thousand five did they think well Michelin just should have made a harder compound tire that could better withstand the banging? Yeah, did yeah. they? Did they ironically, after yeah, unironically, they did. Like, hey, Mercedes, if you're worried about your car flipping over at the Honda straight, just you know slam on the brakes. <laughs> Like that is yeah. pretty much formally's that is pretty much the FIA stance that this what happened out there was our fault. It's the team's fault. They, they just didn't I... adapt to a last minute kilowatt reduction. And what could have possibly gone wrong? They should have I... they should have known that this was a possibility, Dre. <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> but it's just—it's just a very think, curious stance. To I take. think the timer rule is flawed. In the sense that the race is not, it is not based on distance, no. nor it's is the race. Based on time. Yeah. But the race is based on distance in the sense of it's the timer plus a lap of distance. Right. And it feels like this timer, the second, the second event in a row where we've had someone run into this, in this case, many. It feels like it takes into account the race timer, but it doesn't take into account an additional final lap after that. But the thing is, it doesn't take into account what point of the race you are, period. Like, mm. 
Yeah. But it's, then it's, it's, they're it's, taking it's it away under the timer. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's I, Yeah, I it, it takes it, it it reduces it based on the time spent behind the safety car. Not how much time's left in the race. Not no. like not when you are in the race, it's how much time you're behind the safety car. It doesn't matter what point of the race it is. Right, right. And yeah, what I I, I, I get. It's a very curious stance to say to uh, to yeah. stick with when people are saying your sport's been thrown into disrepute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> including the drivers. Yeah, yeah, the drivers are pissed. The fans are pissed. A lot of people that don't like this series are like, "Ha ha, validation." Yeah. Um, well, and like, it's it's a it's a series with a, that definitely has a chip on its shoulder basically turning its nose up at its own personnel like well that seems like an issue not an issue me yeah because the thing is that a lot of the naysayers out there are saying that this happened because the cars weren't capable of making it even though not anyone who follows the series true. knows that that's 100 not true that is like the reason why the cars ran true. out of ran out of energy it's not because the batteries weren't large enough it's because the rule set allowed this to happen right yeah they, they do this to maintain the driving in fe because energy management is a natural part of getting to the end in an unaffected race mm. you know and like in Formula One, when you have a safety car and suddenly you can just, well, in the good old days, you could just crank the engine up and burn all the fuel you wanted because you didn't need to save anymore. Mm. FE doesn't want to create that situation where people just don't have to save energy anymore. Yeah, it doesn't want it doesn't want full blown splints at the end. I mean, so, I would like to see it, but clearly they don't. Yeah. But I, I think, like personally, if I were to you know get full and complete control of sport and regulations, I'd create a hard cutoff point where, say, we're 44 minutes into a 45-minute race or 43 minutes, that's a hard cutoff point. You can't reduce, you can't use any time past that point to reduce energy. Where it's right. like, if we're currently behind the safety car and then we cross that threshold, you can't use any time measurement after that point to reduce so, energy. So basically, it'll be like a two-minute cutoff where it's like, you're guaranteed that they're going to have like or at least, like, you wouldn't have a kilowatt reduction that would put potentially put the whole race into disrepute because you'd you'd have a two minute window where nothing would come off the would come off the kilowatts of the engine or the car in general at the end just in case. Yes, where like at that yeah. point at that cutoff line, you would get. That's when race control would have to make their final reduction. You would see what the final reduction would be, and race control can't reduce it any further after that point. Right. That's good. I like that. I mean, and even I, in this situation, I mean, we had people we had people out of battery once that reduction happened at the start of the final lap. Yeah. Yeah. People because were, again, people it's, out, out. It's, mm. it's not like the reduction isn't, say, a percentage of battery that you have in your car. Yeah, it's, it's one just... per minute. But then that doesn't take into account the fact that there is extra distance beyond the timers. But the thing so is, you're... It's, it's assumed that you already taken that into account, even though you don't, like, it's... But you can't, <laughs> but you can't regen if you're not racing. Yeah. So you can't <laughs> regain that energy. So it doesn't take into account yeah. 
that the drivers are unable to regen that energy under yeah. safety car. It's like, once it's gone, it's gone forever. Like, you're not getting that back with, like, no. green like, Over the course running. of a race distance in Effie, you're, re- you're, you're trying to regen energy to get that additional lap at the end. Yeah. Right. That's a and hard if you thing can't do that, and you get to that point, and then you reduce the energy, you've only reduced it for the allotted amount of time. Right. And you haven't taken into account the fact that there is still one more lap, and the batteries don't care. If they're out of power, they're out of power. (laughs) Right, and Cam was going to make the the following point to second there, Cam. We literally saw this in race two, where Jake Dennis was told on the radio with a lap and change to go, slow down by one second in the final sector, because if we can do that, we can go all out on the final lap of the race to defend from the rest of the chase impact that was still on Dennis's ass the entire race distance. They were like, we need to slow and down and back smart. the wagon That up. is smart. That's of smart course. energy management. That's energy management you can't do when you're under safety car. Because the no. thing is, that's that's what happened in the first race with DeVries, where like mm. it, it kind of got lost in the chaos, but you heard on team radio where it's like, yeah, just just stay in just stay in the casa slip conserving for the end. And yeah, and, and conserve energy. Yeah, it's, it's Merck's had a built-in failsafe during this race. Obviously, I don't think they could have predicted just how crazy yeah. that finish was. Yeah, they, they but played it, it safe and they were rewarded in kind. Yeah, by finishing first and third. And, but then uh, again, it's how much do you want to reward people for playing it safe? You, there shouldn't be a scenario where it's like, yeah, you could pretty much get yourself to the front of the field and then just coast around for most of the race and win. And because of those energy reductions, it punishes those who were going about their business as if there wasn't going to be a safety car. Not so much the energy reductions during the race generally, but that last one. Yeah, and I think another issue is that it's it's based on time behind the safety car, not laps behind laps. the safety car. Yeah. And... You know it from from other forms of motorsport. Some laps behind the safety car are longer than others. Absolutely. uh, On the German broadcast, they brought it up where it seemed like during that last last two-lap stint behind the safety car, they just estimated what the second second lap time was going to be because Hmm. the first lap under the safety car was two and a half minutes and then the next lap ended up being faster than that but it was still a five minute like it was still a five kilowatt reduction regardless it's like it's it's not precise enough because it goes about purely by minutes and no yep. percentage or seconds so, so it's a it's an imprecise rule affecting a, pre, a very precise <laughs> aspect of the race yeah, yeah. right <laughs> Especially when you're merging two different management ways of, of deducing a race distance, because you've got the 45 minutes, but then you have that arbitrary, hard and fast one lap at the end, more than the 45 minutes. And of course, as we saw with the Costas finish, you don't know when that extra lap is going to hit you, especially when, as we saw, that green flag dropped with 20 seconds to go, and the Costa yeah. was put in an impossible situation. It, if that it's re- a rule that... Mm. It's a rule that need it needs to take some form of distance and some form of not full minutes into account to be right. effective in the way they want it to be. Yeah, but as it's like, sits now, even it, like, if you do it based yeah. on like 
one lap is, again, a lot of energy. But yeah. if you just do the hard... If, if you just do, like, the hard number in terms of the amount of usable energy and the amount of minutes, uh, you sh- like, if you burn one kilowatt... Like, if, if you burn one kilowatt per minute of the race, you'd be safe to make it every time and you'd have a little bit of battery left over. Hmm. They're just obviously moments of the race where you need to burn more energy per minute than that. It just, it feels like it's a rule with good intentions in mm-hmm. the sense of preserving the style of the racing. Absolutely. But it's not precise enough to do that job because it's missing certain other factors from what might be going on in the race. It needs to be right. tweaked in some capacity. And, you know, formerly has shown that they are very flexible at times. I mean, they are forming a calendar on the fly throughout this whole season, and they've done so throughout most of their existence. For just forming just, a calendar on the fly. They but, tweak rules in and out of the season. And yeah. it's strange that they were very rigid about this. Yeah, the thing is that, like, I, I do agree the rules should be tweaked, but it can't it can't take into account things that happen during the race because the reduction needs to be consistent every time it happens. Right. Then you get into the issue of the reductions not being predictable. Uh, I think it should, I think it should first, I think they should make it based on not just minutes, but also seconds, make it more precise in that way. And I think that's a start. Yeah. Yeah, like the moment you call a safety car, get someone with a stopwatch. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah, but how do they get it this far wrong? (laughs) And because the thing is, that's that's like they everything is recorded. They know exactly when the when the safety car is deployed, and they know when it comes in. They they didn't get it wrong. They did it exactly to the rule book. The problem is that the rule book is the problem here yeah. <laughs> in this very specific situation. And for this to be universally referred to as a farce and the series to more or less turn their nose up at everyone and say, get good, yeah, is not it, Chief? Yeah, because from the FIA standpoint, they did everything to the rule book. The teams know what the rules are. If they couldn't handle it, get good, Chief. And again... Everyone says this is a farce because it is. It is a farce. Because the rule book that they're citing as we followed the rule book might not be as perfect as they're at. Yeah. Did John Tott not say before this race weekend <laughs> that they were looking into ways to try and getting the series more mainstream exposure? Yeah, yeah, I don't they, know if well, this is the one you want, John. Uh, n- negative Please attention. like my sports. Um, yeah. Like, because is this how, like, uh, no on, one on. foreseen, uh, a, no one foresaw a possibility. It's like, yeah, guys, we're totally gonna have a race where nineteen minutes of the race, nineteen minutes of our forty-five minute race is gonna be behind the safety car, and we're gonna have to reduce all that energy. That's the yeah. that, that's nearly forty percent of your race distance was under yellow. That is an yeah. insane number. And for all the um, ju- that's that's far even for a series that everybody jokes about is just glorified bumper cars. And, and the thing is that uh, far like I, I 
I would have to go back and check how much energy was actually reduced, but it was way more than 19 minutes. Yeah. 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 Like, did and... someone forget to carry the one? Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and I that's mean... That's important. It's like every... It's like every stereotype about the series was vindicated here between... Oh, well, the cars can't do the distance. It's glorified bumper cars. Well, it kind of looked like glorified bumper cars because the driving standards were, frankly, abysmal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of moving on from that to how we got here, where, man, that... So, the layout they chose was kind of a weird in-between where it wasn't the true short version of Valencia... But it no. wasn't the full Grand Prix version yeah. of Valencia. No. It was an in-between where they used... Uh, Mid-Valencia. <laughs> Mid-Valencia. Where they, <laughs> where they used uh, one of the uh, club course crossovers to connect uh, as a shortcut of the course. And, uh, man, they put barriers around it to give it a, a street circuit feel. And, oh lord, we were street racing out there. <laughs> Yeah, um, there were dive bombs galore, there were punts, side swipes, if gap car, uh... If gap wall, you know. If gap wall, um... And did we mention it was raining too, which, you know, maybe didn't help things. Absolutely pouring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and the temporary chicane that they set up on the on on the front straight uh, on the front straight where uh, it crosses the traditional uh, it crosses the traditional pit entry. So mm-hmm. you have to go over the the painted segment dividing the entry and the straight, which obviously has no grip. They scrape the paint off, but it's like it's just raw concrete that no you one's never driven run over. It. Yeah. Yeah, there's no racing line because there has never been a racing line involving that piece of the track ever. And because it was formatted in a street circuit style, it's not, uh, it's not say, a traditional chicane where, oh, if you overshoot it, you could just go through, like, uh, a coned-off nope. section at a lower speed. You have to take the chicane every time. Or else yeah. it's wool. Yeah, so... Like, didn't we see like someone in race one spin on the exit of that very chicane for that very reason? I think it might have been Blomquist, maybe. Um, it, 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 it might was, have been Blomquist. Yeah. It, it was rough. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, that we've just gone through pretty much all the major factors that came into what this was. It wasn't just one factor; it was many. And it was. It was everything everyone has ever derided Fe with combining into a single race and like they mainly did it to to please people because like a a thing that people so always bash about modern circuits it's like oh there's so much runoff the tracks are so forgiving and formerly it was like what if we just make the most unforgiving permanent circuit possible you got it gravel and gold even on two wheels, this track, I mean, if you get it wrong, you're having a bad day. Yeah. And on four wheels, and these cars, which, I mean, we saw them, they're fast. They punch up out of corners, they will reach good speeds, they corner quickly. If you go off, you're going off a long way. 
Yeah, which is the, like, the, as much as, like, we opened up about talking about the need for regen, that's why they put that, why they use the, the club circuit cutoff. Uh, the main reason for the chicane on the front straight wasn't regen, it was just, they would, if that chicane wasn't there, they would just hit top speed pretty early and just stay there for most of the straight. They wanted to have some variety in terms of decelerating, accelerating, and, uh, for a lot of the race, that wasn't an issue once everyone got spread out, but once cars were starting to drive near each other. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, the layout facilitated close racing when they were together, but to make a move, you had to really put yourself and the other driver involved at risk for an accident. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, we got a lot of accidents as a result of that. We Again, it was ridiculously unforgiving. We mentioned Max Gunther beached it. Sete Camera beached it. Buemi was absolutely clattered um, by Andre Lotterer in the break-in <laughs> for the bridge in, in what we called mid-Valencia in... It, it wasn't a dive bomb as much as a spear by Roman Reigns. Um, like, yeah, like, he was overtaking someone already and not really paying attention to where he was going. And he happened to go into Sebastian Buemi's car. Yeah, and then Buemi had two wheels on the gravel and beached himself. Um, yeah. Impossible to get out of that. As mentioned, these cars are heavy, they're full of battery, and it's wet gravel. Good luck. Um, not happening. So again, that was an immediate yep. safety car. And then the, what caused the big one at the end was Lotterer hitting Mortara at turn one and spinning him out. And he, he beached it in the gravel, and that was the final safety car that led to that finish. Um, so it was a complete goddamn mess. Um, An a, a, a awful look for the series across the board, from the statements to the reactions to... The finish itself, everybody, everybody hated it. It was Formula brutal. E's biggest advocates mm. have said, "Yeah, this isn't a good look." I would no. like to think that maybe one day we can look back in this race more like San Marino, nineteen eighty-five, the day everybody ran a fuel, then USA two thousand five. But we're not there right yet, now. and Formula E is going to have to change some shit in the way that it runs its races and the way that it does things procedurally in order to prevent something like this from happening again to at least the best of their abilities. It's mm. it's not good enough from them. It's not good enough from the FIA and their rulebook governing the series. And it's not good enough from the drivers who... Andre Lauderer... You're one of my boys, okay? Yeah. That is too. not good enough. From a veteran... Multi-time Lamar winner, Super GT alum and legend, and guy who's been successful in this series. Won races in this series. You know, cause you were the cause of multiple race wrecking incidents. It was poor driving, poor driving from Lotzera. And not the first time even this season. He's no, been he, no before race two, which we will have to get to eventually. It was a lovely race. Uh, he yes. had a goose egg <laughs> on the board. Yeah, yeah, that's got a point all season, and not yeah. from not from a lack of speed. No, lack of brain, more like it. Yeah, and uh, disappointing to say the least. And it's the series needed to 
clean itself up. And, you know, we, we, we got... We got race two. It dried out. Yeah. We actually had a, a, a dry race two, and it was a much calmer affair. And it was actually quite a nice story yeah. as well. Everything good about Effie. Yeah, quite everything a contrasting weekend. Yeah, a close competitive race where a very well driven performance from the man up front got him a win. And yeah, the sport's sixteenth different winner because we got another new one, another new name to add to the winner circle. It was. Wait a minute, Jake Dennis? <laughs> All that slander so, from recent uh, weeks. The Falcons didn't come through. <sighs> if I had a dollar for every time I heard that Jake Dennis shouldn't be here, I would have enough money to buy an LMP2 car and be faster than the new Lamar hypercars. <laughs> You're not letting this go, are you, Cam? <laughs> I will never log off. <laughs> okay, Jake. It's 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 brutal, and but you know, like this was Jake Dennis's first win in a single seater for five years, um, and let's he didn't just win. Yeah, he, he he crushed it. He led the from pole. He had, you know, from pole he led every single lap. Um, he was fastest and, lap short of a grand slam. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Which is incredibly rare in this. I'm not sure if that's ever happened in Formula E. Um, like so, Dennis was dominant up the front. Um, he was under pressure pretty much the whole time. He, I don't think he was ever more than maybe a second in front of a car in front of him, but just bulletproof under pressure the whole way through. Didn't put a foot wrong. Drove very well. We mentioned the very smart tactical call at the end to back the wagon up um, on the penultimate lap so they could push hard in the final lap. And let's not forget here, he's driving for BMW. You know, a brand that is quitting this series at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a one-year make it or break a deal where if it works, he could probably catch on with another team. But if it doesn't work, and for the first five races of the season it wasn't working, that's it. It's one and done for him. Yeah, because yeah, um, he was also scoreless going into this weekend. Yeah, like, Hazel summed it up very well on Twitter where she said, quote, I'd have to save them my, my notes myself personally, she said, quote, he was, de- he, was de- he was dealt a very rough hand, moving into FE, and then last time we were in VLC, um, Valencia, BMW announced that they were leaving the sport. Poor bloke said he didn't know he was only signing for one season, then had to make an impression if he ha- if he hopes to stay. Mega job. And yeah, He's driving for his job. Yeah, he's driving for his for his Formula E life, and that was a magnificent performance. Probably the best <laughs> yep. individual driver of the season so far, if all things considered, because that was that was flawless from Jake Dennis, and it deserves a lot of praise. That was I don't think anybody, not even Lando Norris, saw that one coming. No. Uh, um the way the season's played out. That was magnificent. Um and he drove that to perfection. And yes, after all the shit we just gave him, yes, Andre Lotterer was second. <laughs> th- th- thanks to a penalty for uh, Norman Nato for uh yeeting someone. Yeah. Notto again. <laughs> oh, yeah, if it's God. not Lauderer, it seems to be Norman Notto. But uh, yeah, Lauderer <sighs> finally on the board. Uh, drive better, please do. Like, I think he uh, did. I think he did that. Dri- he drive did. the way you drove in race two. Alex Lynn back on the podium. Good to see after that scary wreck he had to open the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The nice to see him back up there because we we forget that he was the one who got a... sent by. Uh, yeah. By Nato, actually, because he was down. in contention for the win. 
Mm, mm. Yeah, was uh, putting the gravel there, and yeah, Nato would have would have been uh, would have been second, dropped to fifth after the penalty in the end. Um, yeah, so that's now back to back weekends with Nato losing a podium finish. Bummer for Rocket Venturi um, on that one, but uh, yeah, just a a a crazy crazy weekend that we're probably never gonna forget in Formula E anytime soon. And uh, oh, by the way. Uh, in, in lost in all the shuffle, you know how we joked for a lot last time out. We talked about Formula E about how Jaguar led both championships. That did not last long. One Sorry, whole race. Finley, Mercedes has reasserted their dominance. And uh, keep in mind, no, no, Dre, because uh, their weekend was decidedly mixed. Again, again, it's just like... um, race one, one three, race two. Goose egg. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Sebastian. Double DNF. Sebastian Buemi put Stoffel Van Dorn in the wall. In the wall. Um, well, in race two. N- well, Stoffel kinda, was being sorta. real ambitious with that pass maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Like he he was getting squeezed out. He tried to pass on the inside of the bridge onto the uh, mid Valencia layout, and um, if gap, hey, car, and wall, um, yeah. and. He was the unfortunate meat in a car wall sandwich, and uh, Stoffel was first man out, uh, basically, in that one. And in fact, he was the only car who failed to finish in an otherwise relatively calm race, too, whereas Nick DeFries was down in 16th and uncompetitive. Because Mercedes can't have one clean weekend to save their lives, and yet, guess what? They now lead both championships, and both their drivers are first and second. Because, of course, when nobody is consistent, winning just happens to be good enough to get you 1-2 in the standings. Because they account for half the wins this year. Nobody's consistent. Half the wins, and I swear, it has to be half the DNFs. (laughs) (laughs) They they are the definition of podium or DNF right now. Combine four retirements, three wins between them. They have only only three... Point scoring finishes that aren't a win. An eighth and a third for Stoffel, and a ninth for Debris. So you're, you're telling me they have four team DNFs in six races? Yes. A 66% and are leading, DNF race. And are leading race. the championship. <laughs> One, two. 23 points. You know what that 23 for? That's for Michael. That's for Jordan. I don't know if that's for Michael in this instance. Well, it, it, it's uh, for Michael, the Bobcats owner. Um, or should it be the oh, Hornets now? Why'd you have to go there? So, They're not yeah, even um, the Bobcats anymore. Please, someone, anyone, get consistent. I don't yeah. care who it is. To quickly run through the championship standings. Yes, Nick DeVries leads the championships. A championship on 57 points. Stoffel Van Dorn second on 48. Sam Bird is sitting third with 43. Robin Frins is sitting fourth with 43. Mitch Evans on 39. In the Constructors, Mercedes EQ, 105. Jaguar, second with 82. Virgin, third with 58. DS Tachita, fourth with 57. And fifth, Audi Sport, fifth, uh, again, fifth with uh, 52 points. 
Uh, Mercedes one two in the championship and leading the constructors. Oh, a familiar oh. sight. No, <laughs> a familiar sight, but it's not really that. So, how many points does an FE win get you these days? Twenty five. Twenty five. Anything. Twenty five. So he's leading with fifty seven. So yep. he's got yeah. two wins and then seven points outside of the two wins out of six races and is leading the title. <laughs> so I, I guarantee you when Monaco comes around, unless something wild happens and they repeat, uh, I I doubt that Mercedes are going to be lead, leading either championship well, after as we Monaco. Learn, Bold as prediction, we, King. As we learned when watching Monaco historics, anything can happen at Monaco. <laughs> Mark, uh, sports car legend well, Marco Werner can turn around John Lacey in a race well, for the well, win. Well, if we're thinking of like that, then uh, the black and gold cars, of which we have a couple of those, are oh, going cool. to uh, dump the red cars right into a wall and then win and then lose that win. You know how weird it is seeing that Mercs have t- almost twice the points all of the reigning champs DST Cheetah right now? Who can't, but, who with can't four DNFs. Yeah, and the thing is that, like, the the maximum amount of points the teams could score in a race, Diaz Cheetah could just get that the next race and be right back with Mercedes. Yeah, because yeah, Diaz Cheetah, can get... that, that new powertrain is uh, pretty fast when it's yeah. allowed to have enough energy to finish the race. Right, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's King alluded to. There's 30 points on the table for each race. 25 for the win, 4 for pole position, and then 1 for the fastest lap as well. So... It would not take much to flip this completely on its head again. Because um, it's still relatively close, despite the fact that, you know, it, we've had complete carnage for the first six yeah. rounds of this championship. A team of a 66% DNF rate is leading the championship. How is that? It's leading 1-2. One, 1-2. Two. <laughs> one, two. <sighs> this series is something Ma- imagine else. This in F- imagine this in F1. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, that's the thing that I want to talk about, formally is like I want to talk about how close and unpredictable this championship is. Well, technically, so it is. many elite, talented <laughs> drivers driving for manufacturers who clearly uh, you know in this last sport. weekend, last weekend elite drivers. You could have fooled me. You could have fooled me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot the last week. And guess what, guys? We got even more Formula E racing coming soon because. Oh. Yeah. Formula E unveiled the next chunk of their calendar um, to wrap it all up. We have Pibella on June 19th from the 20th. It's Puebla. Puebla! (laughs) I'm bad with pronunciations, especially when it's not English. I am your classic, Uh. arrogant Englishman who can't pronounce shit. Um, I'm sorry. Hang on. I think I might be able to try this one. New York? Um, uh, (laughs) Um... Just the, uh, I'm gonna get the accent in there, but for yeah, New York, that that, that, that one, that's one you might know um, from from uh, on July 10th and 11th. King, your home round's coming back. Hey, yes. hey, we could all we could all go if they allow fans. They will allow fans, and, and it'll just be time for the Julius Randle statue to be finished, <laughs> which is weird because it's the uh. Brooklyn Street Circuit. Oh. And depending on how things go there, they might just be building a Kevin Durant statue. You never know. You never know. There's room for statues for everybody. And a couple of weeks after that, Formula E's back in London. We're finally going to, to the Excel Center in Londona. Yeah. <laughs> Londona. Yeah. Londes, as, as the Spanish say. 
Um, yeah, the the, uh, the, this, the season will be also coming back to London on July 25th. Thankfully, the XL Centre is no longer a temporary hospital. Um, thank God. Um, Thanks, Boris. Yeah, thank, thanks, Boris. Um, looks like we're finally hey, seeing a should, finish. You should have done the New York Strat, where uh, yeah, the the Brooklyn Circuit was a was a hospital, but it stopped being at the hospital at the end of May of last year. <laughs> um. UK COVID response, everybody. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, fucking mophead prime minister. Um, anyway, <laughs> July. We're, we're just piling it high today, aren't we? Oh just my a, god. Just a touch. I'm saying, though, I wonder if Boris actually was able to pay for the track himself or whether he needed a, a, a small loan to fund it. That's one of those politics jokes out there for you British fans that are listening in. Um, London on July 24th and 25th, the season finale at Berlin is still there at the end as well yeah. because we couldn't we couldn't not go to Tempelhof Airport once again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not a sex temple, it's just a devil this time. But the set is still there. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Templehof Nights Two. Yeah, because we all know, kids, it's it's every man's dream to disappoint two races at once. <laughs> and on that note, let's get out of here because my God, what a shit show that was! And that was just oh. the podcast, let alone Valencia. Um, <laughs> Both episodes. I I, I don't want to feel angry anymore. I want to yeah. feel good. <laughs> It all started so well with IndyCar at the top for the first half hour, and then it wasn't. No. <laughs> it started, it started wasn't well. Started well. <laughs> well, depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, don't, ask don't ask Joseph. It didn't start well. Yeah, well, you know. It got better. It got, and then be- it got better. It got a lot better. They got a lot better. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a lot more fun motorsport to talk about next week, because as mentioned on 301, heap of motorsport to get through next yeah. week, because... Uh, all of our major series will be on the air again, as mentioned. Portimao, uh, Jerez for MotoGP. Um, we've got IndyCar at Texas with two oval races there. And we have the WEC season opener. God help us all. Um, King, I don't envy you oh. whatsoever. <laughs> deep, oh. deep, deep, deep breath, King. Oh. Deep breath. Um, you know, we're we're oh. gonna get through this, okay? We're gonna <laughs> have to talk about it. We're gonna have to talk about that fucking mess again, again. Yeah, because what 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 could possibly go wrong? Um, <laughs> I, I, I I think uh, I think putting money on a Porsche GTE winning overall might be a good idea. <laughs> Heaven forbid. God lord no, please. Is, Let's get is out of Andy here. driving one this time? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think Estra is. He's pretty good at spa. God, help us, help us. Facebook, you can find this one more time. YouTube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison101HD. At RJ O'Connell. At Ryan Eric King. At CBuckley917. We're on Instagram at motorsport101pod. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of the audio versions of our shows. You can upgrade to the video version for ten bucks. Um, and access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Special shout out to Finley and Jason who's been in the chat the entire time uh, updating me on the football. Much appreciated, fellas. Condolences, um, <laughs> Finley, on uh, Jaguar. 
Um, don't care. No, not, not, not one. Not one jot. Um, <laughs> and uh, sucks to be you, PSG. Anyway, uh, thanks for watching and listening. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Thank you very much for listening and watching. We'll see you next week. God help us all. Sayonara. Later, y'all! Bye. I gotta conserve some usable energy right here. Um, yeah. So the- I'm, I'm not saying anything, but Sale GP, if, if you want a podcast, I'm available. <laughs> you shameless bastard! <laughs>